Bridge is an acronym for books recycled to instruct, disciple, guide, and educate. We firmly believe that reading is critical for Christians to grow in their faith, and so we strive to make Bibles and gospel-based Christian books available at very affordable prices. Our purpose is to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ through written and spoken word. We do this by providing resources and educational opportunities for people to grow in their knowledge of biblical truth so that they are equipped to share that truth with others. You can visit our website at bridgebookstexas.org where you can find our Reformed podcast, Bridge Radio, where we bring on Christian authors, apologists, and scholars such as Dr. James White, Dr. John Frame, Joe Beakey, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, and Tim Trumpert. You can find Bridge Radio on iTunes, Android, Windows, and Google Play or stream via our website. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it john chapter 1 verses 4 through 5 coming at you from the great state of texas Texas. proclaiming the gospel faithfully and fearlessly bridge radio is back with another fantastic program for you if you are new subscribe and if you're a Christian who's really thirsty for a good biblical and reformed podcast that ain't scared to speak the truth, there you go. subscribe. We're on iTunes, Android, Windows, Google Play, and we got a Bridge app that you could find on all the app stores. Please go, whether it's you got an, uh, an Apple phone, an Android, or Windows, go to the App Store, type in Bridge Ministries, and you could find it. We got great expository preaching, especially from the guests that we have on today. We have the book of Galatians up, the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Mark, and our goal is to put on the entire New Testament all sermon series. It's going to take a lot of work, but hey, we're, we're, we're going to be working on it. We got articles, devotionals, we got the Heidelberg Catechism, got it. the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and we're building. If you're in a local community, you could also um, uh, register for our Bible our Bible studies here, and uh, it's just awesome. So if, if, uh, if you're new, welcome. We are a Christian podcast that has brought on the world's top Christian scholars, theologians, apologists, and we talk everything from Reformed theology to Arminianism and uh, engage the cult through a Christian worldview, which we are going to do today. I am your host, Julio Madrodrias, as always, and across from me I have the boss of the ministry. How are y'all doing? This is Steve Denhartog. And what are we going to be talking about today, Steve? We are talking about the culture of death and mm. also The Way magazine. So uh, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, it's it, it's exciting to have this gentleman on again for a second time. We've had him a few months ago and uh, just really looking forward to our conversation today. So I'll let you do the introductions. Yes, yes. This uh, gentleman, just like Steve said, he's been on the program before. And I highly recommend, just going back to the Bridge app, please go listen to those expositions preaching through the book of Mark and the book of Galatians. They're just excellent They really stuff. are. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if you want uh, expository and experiential um, ex- exposition of the word, it's, it's, really, yes. it's really great. I enjoy listening to every sermon. All right, guys. So our guest, again, he's been on the program. He was a professor at <laughs> Westminster Theological Seminary, and he was also a pastor up Seventh in Michigan. Seventh Reformed Church up in, in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan for about 10 years. Yeah. Long, long, long. That's a long time to be a pastor. Faithful minister of the gospel, that is. And uh, he is the founder of From His Fullness Ministries, and today he's coming on the program again to talk about the culture of death and The Way Magazine and uh, the September issue edition uh, is actually on the culture of death. So we're going to be talking about a little bit about that, what's all that about, but uh, thank you once again for coming on to the program. It's an honor and privilege to have you back, Dr. Tim Trumpert. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. It's a joy to be back and uh, look forward to the conversation and so pleased for the way the the Lord is blessing Bridge Ministries uh, in Texas and from Texas. Yes. Yeah, we really appreciate uh, your input and the way that you've uh, come alongside of us and helped us out as well. And so uh, I guess we're, we're, we're both kind of uh, getting going here with the, with the podcast and you with uh, the ministry from his fullness. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's just exciting to be able to join hands in, in some enterprises and work together for the gospel. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, very much, very much so. Very Wh- much so. When did you and Dr. Trumper meet? We met, uh, man, it's uh, eight, probably eight years ago. I don't know, six or eight years yeah, ago, I, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes. When well, we, I always enjoyed your visits to Grand Rapids. Yeah, and it was always, uh, I always look forward to getting together for lunch. So uh, just have really appreciated Dr. Trumper's uh, insights into uh, the word and uh, also just uh, for his willingness to be able to to yeah. uh, to do this publication for us. We have it available mm-hmm. both in print and digitally on our website, and it's been a blessing for us as a ministry. Yep. So jumping into the uh, the magazine, uh, Pastor Tim, can you just give us a little bit of background on the, the Way magazine, um, when it originated, where it originated, and kind of the purpose that you have in mind for it? Yes, uh, gladly so. Um, well, uh, anybody who knows me knows that my father has been a big inspiration in my life, and really the idea behind the way goes back to his uh, rural ministry in in Wales in the 1960s and onwards. He was uh, very uh, creative and productive in sending out uh, community magazines, mm. um, sharing the gospel, and he'd send them out send them out for free. Sure. And it, it was a way of putting. Uh, the work of the gospel on the on the map mm. in the local community, and then he was a minister in South Wales for 20 years. And in 1982, we moved to North Wales, where he was a minister for four and a half years. And uh, during that time, he he created, as was his uh, habit of doing, another publication called mm. the Hollywell Herald. Wow. We were we're in the town of Hollywell, and uh, he uh, he produced this uh, four-page uh, outreach publication, very similar to to the way, um, and it went to three thousand homes around wow. the town. Well, when you think that the town was only six, seven thousand people, yeah, uh, basically saturated the town. Wow, <laughs> and uh, people um, people really got to know the church. Um, it was a reformed church. Um, but a, a reformed church keen to reach outside its own doors. Sure. And the a very impressive thing about the Hollywell Herald was that in a small congregation, they split up the town into districts, hmm. and it was the members who gave out the Hollywell Herald who went around doors, giving out the uh, the publication to the whole town. Hmm. Now, you can't do that in America, I don't believe, because of the laws about the mailing system. Mm-hmm. Well, we we were at a point at Seventh Reformed Church where we were trying to reach the community more than we had done. Uh, we were reaching the region through uh, the twice-weekly radio broadcasts, but um, we weren't really getting to the people who were right around the church. Mm-hmm. So the consistory agreed that uh, instead of producing the church magazine 12 times a year for our own people, we would um, produce the church magazine uh, six times a year hmm. and then send out the way to the community the other six months of the year. So hmm. every other month we were sending this out. Well, this was towards the end of my ministry there. So we sent out six editions of the, of the way to the community and it went to uh, five mailing routes around the church again 3000 3000 homes wow and it was sent out as a hard copy and the church um, produced the way in house mm-hmm. paid for the paper paid for the print paid for the mailing and they did it that way mm. So then after after um, my ministry came to an end at Seventh Reformed Church and we felt led of the Lord to set up from his fullness ministries, um, I've been burdened not simply for those parts of the world where uh, the gospel is really thriving, where people are coming to faith in their thousands, um, but also for those parts of the world where um, churches are stuck within the four walls, are in danger of uh, having a ghetto mentality. Mm-hmm. And we need to build the foundation again. And we're going to do that with God's help through prayer and through basically reaching communities with the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I thought there was um, a niche, a place for a publication like um, The Way between. Uh, the regular ministry on a Sunday and um, 
um, say an outreach endeavor like uh, Christianity Explored, mm-hmm. uh, if, you're, if sure. you're familiar with that. Sure. So Christianity Explored, well, I, I felt that uh, the way could serve a purpose in terms of getting people to uh, think about issues um, without any any commitment to pursue it further, but they could think about these issues on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people are more likely to um, consider the gospel behind closed doors where uh, they're not put on the spot. Sure. Uh, but obviously, at, at the same time, you want to give them opportunities to follow up about the gospel if, if they are so inclined to. Mm-hmm. So the target readership of the way is the thinking, what I call the thinking unchurched. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who used to be in church but are no longer in church. And there's whole books there's whole books being produced about this phenomenon now. Uh, people saying, well, uh, they left the church not because of music style, but they weren't told apologetically why they ought to believe what they ought to believe. Mm-hmm. And then there are those who have never been to church, and they are... Um, they are asking serious questions, and they're frustrated that they're not getting from the church serious answers. Sure. I think Paul Washer has said that, uh, you know, we are teaching our children how to color Noah's Ark when um, they're being taught the theory of evolution in mm, school. Yeah, so true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, we need to have need to have those answers to the difficult questions. Yeah, so some, some people have said, well, maybe uh, the way has too much writing in it because people don't read these days. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm not sure that continuing to give them less to read is is the answer to sure. that. Right. And I, I believe as a Calvinist that God has his people out there and he's going to save them and he's going to give them the ability and the hunger to, to read uh, what I trust on the basis of 1 Peter 3.15 is, is a reasoned presentation of the gospel. Sure. Yeah. So then in, th- in thinking about the way, I thought, well, what's going to go in it? So... <clears throat> On the basis of Act 17, the first page is um, the point of contact. You know, Paul speaking to the Athenians, he uses the altar to the unknown God, him mm-hmm. I proclaim to you. So I'm looking for a point of contact for the front page. Sure. And then the second page, I give a biblical perspective on it. The third page is a testimony of somebody's conversion connected to the theme of the issue and then the fourth page an opportunity to pray for the readers or for churches or ministries like bridge ministries to customize Mm -hmm. um to customize the issue for their own use sure yeah and it's 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 been a blessing for us we've got it available as i said both digitally online on our website and through our uh, app and then also we have hard copies here and i know uh, Abe and his wife have them available at their pediatric dentist office, uh, mm-hmm. just available for people who are who are waiting to come in and read. And mm. you know, it's it's very, it's it's not uh, you know overwhelming by any stretch. You know, it's it's uh, three different articles as you as you stated, and uh, you know it uh, presents something from a uh, you know current event from a very biblical worldview and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity that uh, you give as well for people to customize it uh, on their own so you know like we're a ministry so we've got information re- related to bridge ministries but uh, you kind of gear it towards uh, providing an opportunity for other ministries and churches to be able to adapt it to their own mm-hmm. means is that correct Oh, yes, yes. So, um, yeah, we've produced a master copy uh, really because From Its Fullness is not a substitute for the local church, but we want to be there to support the local church and to support local ministries sure. so so that um, so that uh, they are able to extend their, their outreach if they're so inclined. And, of course, we're trying to encourage them to do that. Mm-hmm. But the the fascinating thing was that when I started advertising the way on social media and you you put in the target for the advertising and I put Christian, Protestant, Reformed, Evangelical. Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know how Facebook does it, but I started getting all these 
um, requests from Muslims in different parts of the world for for wow. the way. Wow! And I and I thought, well, I don't want them customizing um, the master copies, so I quickly created a general copy um, sure. in the hopes that that could go out directly, and if people don't have the wherewithal to to customize the copy, they can mm. still distribute it as as they have opportunity. Yeah, neat. Yeah, we, we have to get one out and uh, translate it in, in Chinese for our Chinese brothers and sisters who are yeah, who are exactly. being uh, persecuted over there in China. I'm pretty sure something like this would be great. <laughs> oh, well, certainly, certainly. Uh, there's no end of what we could do with it. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, we do have it in Spanish, and we uh, yeah. so we've got Alejandra uh, translating it for us. She does a great job with that, so it's been a, she it's does. Been a blessing. She's, yeah. uh, wonder, she's, she's been wonderful with it, yeah. So let's go ahead and dive into the September issue, and again, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, the topic is on the culture of death, and you wrote, quote, but then came the 1960s sexual revolution. Now, regardless of the audience, we chat freely of affairs, random sexual encounters, same-sex relationships, and the politics of gender identity, unquote. Um, I think it's really essential, essential for us in understanding the culture of death to first look at the 1960s sexual revolution. So I wanted to ask Dr. Trumper, what is the 1960s sexual revolution and uh, how does this give rise to the culture of death that we see today? Well, uh, um, it's interesting you should pick up on that, really, because that's uh, just my jumping off point to get to the culture of death, mm-hmm. uh, a sort of segue into the into the subject, because, you know, coming off the back of the Victorian era, um, certainly the Victorians wouldn't in public be holding the conversations we're holding today. I mean, if, if they could come back and listen to the, to the news at night and the sort of subjects being discussed, I think... Sure fall off the chairs <laughs> um, right. uh, but obviously a lot has happened since the victorian era and there's been sort of a, a reaction to some of the prudish elements of the victorian era mm. uh, i think there are several reasons for that um uh, first of all in the industrial revelation revolution um created um uh, or at least uh, mass-produced contraceptives mm. And then also significant is uh, the theory of evolution, mm-hmm. uh, downplaying theism and the dignity of life and uh, playing up of man as an animal with animal instincts. Right. And so sort of the, the shackles are off and you just do what comes instinctively to you. Sure. And then um, there's the devastating effect of war on morality because the term sexual revolution actually goes back to 1914 i believe and a man by the name of uh, uh, wilhelm reich or at least the 1920s um so really when we come to the 1960s we're talking about the second sexual revolution uh the first one was probably topped off by the great depression and people trying to find consolation and comfort in the midst of uh, great economic uh, distress Mm. Uh, so then when we come to the sexual revolution of the 1960s if if um, the first revolution sort of challenged the um, the victorian standards uh, the 1960s revolution is full-blown permissive society Mm -hmm. um, embracing it all and it's aided by this time by the the film industry uh, drug use, of course, uh, wider availability of uh, contraceptives, um, the birth control pill comes in in 1960. Then you've got uh, Hugh Hefner hmm. and the Playboy magazine and yeah, right. the, spre- the spread of private adult clubs. Um, and you've got feminism saying, why should men uh, have the predominance of sexual pleasure? So you've got the pursuit of equal rights when it comes to sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm and the rise of no-fault divorce. So those are some of the social factors, I think, which led to the, the sexual revolution. Um, but it's, it's had its impact on the, on the culture of death, of course, because um, first, uh, the prevalence of sexually transmitted diseases and the, the rise of AIDS, mm. uh, and then um, the choice um, to abort the consequences of one's own decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so I think in those t- those two main ways, there may be there may be other ways besides, but I see those two main ways as uh, as very connected to the sexual revolution. With regards to to the uh, kind of what I have termed, I guess, the paradox of death that we see in our culture, can you talk a little bit about that? How our culture seems to celebrate and is fascinated with death in so many different ways. We see it in our pop culture. We see it in movies, in merchandise, art, uh, music, and you know, especially this this time of year with Halloween, um, it's just kind of celebrated, and there's this fascination with it. Yet often. Our culture also refuses to accept it. You know, you've got in your article uh, a section with regards to cryogenics. You know, the uh, the freezing of uh, a hmm. person after they die, um, with the hope that uh, at some point they can unfreeze them and uh, cure whatever killed them to begin with. Right. Um, the desire to extend life at all costs. Uh, you know, medically, cosmetic surgery, things like that. Uh, so, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, that apparent uh, paradox and uh, why, where it comes from, why we why we have that, and uh, I, I guess just talk a little bit about that. Well, uh, I think we need to begin with the, the premise of um, John in one John three four that the practice of sin is lawlessness. Mm. So there's there's a sense of um, anarchy and irrationality about sin. Mm. So. Um, uh, the the response to the rejection of Judeo-Christian values is not uniform. It's sort of very muddled and very mixed. So on the one hand, it seems to me that as folk reject divine revelation about the afterlife, mm-hmm. claiming and trying to persuade themselves that it's it's not true, although Paul in Romans 1 says they know that the sentence of death is there, mm. Um, they feel more at liberty to make the afterlife a matter of entertainment. Sure. They feel it's safer to make um, jokes and pastimes about the devil, about the afterlife, because they've persuaded themselves it's not real at any rate. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the issue. And another aspect of the issue is that as as folk reject God, who is light then inevitably there becomes a greater fascination with uh, with darkness. Mm. Yeah. I think in John's, John's Gospel you get something of that oscillation between darkness and light. Mm-hmm. You know, men don't come to the light lest their deeds done in darkness will be reproved. Mm. Um, so uh, as there is the rejection of God who is the fountain of light, uh, then inevitably the darkness increases. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So then, faced with the reality of death, because of course death is still there, it's you know you can't do away with it. um, We do then what we can to overcome it. So we face it when we have to, Mm -hmm. and when we face it, uh, we come up with some um, inventive ways, as uh, Robin Robert Ettinger did, to to try and overcome it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we minimize it when we can, just because we don't want to uh, to deal with it. But then uh, ultimately, uh, everybody dies, and yeah. uh, we have to uh, have to deal with that reality. And uh, so instead of going at it from a biblical perspective, then it's uh, it's it's easier um, because we are. Idol factories, I guess, like uh, Calvin said, to uh, come up with our own um, form of, of dealing with it and and uh, seeking to make ourselves gods um, mm-hmm. rather than worshiping and uh, the one true God and, and seeing what he would have to say to us with regards to death and how we deal with it from his revelation to us in, in his word. Yes. Yeah, I, I think... Um you know, it's it's the elephant in the room that we can't ignore, but we yeah. try to do the best to. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I was made aware of this even coming to a, a, a very um, churched city like Grand Rapids. Mm. I was amazed. You know, one of your tasks, of course, is to take people's funerals. Mm. And sometimes it's been my uh, my uh, honor to, um, to ride with the funeral director to the... Um, 
to the cemetery. Mm -hmm. And I often take the time to ask them about their their work because they have a, a very specific sense of calling, at mm -hmm. least the, the funeral undertakers I know. Sure. And I was amazed when I first came to Grand Rapids to learn that of 400 funerals that this company had organized in that calendar year, only six of them, in only six of them, the family had gone to the graveside. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. And yeah, I, I think it began as... as Steve would know, you know, the snows come in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, the ground can be hard, so sometimes they don't bury a body. Right. Uh, the family the family don't want to go to a cemetery when it's knee-deep in snow. Um, and so there, I think it started off legitimately. Mm -hmm. And then it just became a trend of instead of having the committal at the graveside, you have the committal at the end of the service. Mm. And people are so busy... That they don't necessarily want to go to the uh, to the graveside, and I've always encouraged people to do that if they can. Sure. I, uh, yeah. Under understand there are extenuating circumstances where a frail widow or a widower might might not want to do that, but we need to face the reality of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can, can you talk about death from a Christian worldview? You know, where where did it come from? What is it, and will it be abolished? Well, uh, we believe in the original um, account of the foundation of the world in Genesis 1 to 11 and the origin of death. We believe that Adam and Eve were an historical pair. We believe that the fall of man was an historical event. And clearly, not only is this uh, portrayed in Genesis, but also confirmed by the Lord Jesus, confirmed by the Apostle Paul and other New Testament uh, figures that death is the consequence of sin. Mm. I mean, you go to, you go to a well-known passage like, you know, Romans five as mm -hmm. twelve through twenty-one, as by as one man sinned, so death came into the world. Um, so uh, Paul says in Romans six verse twenty-three that um, the wages of sin is is death. So we're talking about the origin of death, very much connected with sin and its entrance into the world mm -hmm. and then you think of the the nature of death it's it's sort of two-sided it's spiritual on the one hand separation from god estrangement from our maker but it's also physical we all decay in different ways different times different moments but uh none of us escapes death unless god intervenes as he did in the case of enoch mm -hmm. or elijah or whoever mm -hmm. um and that, that's one of the interesting things about the culture of death. You know, you've got uh, Robert Ettinger trying to abolish death or overcome it after the fact. You've then got philosophical societies trying to find a way to do away with death. Mm. You've got uh, seismic efforts to prolong life as long as you can. Um, but no matter what we try to do, everybody dies. Sure. And I think death is so common to to man that we've lost sight of the fact that there's something otherworldly about the fact that everybody dies mm -hmm. you know it, it is it is um god's god's verdict upon upon sin sure so left left with that we might be very despairing very um depressed but this is the wonderful uh, message of the scriptures that God has in Christ abolished death. That abolition is now, but it's not yet. So mm. Jesus Jesus comes, he goes towards the cross, he sets his face to go to Jerusalem, and there he suffers our curse upon the cross. Mm -hmm. And so his shed blood on the one hand has an impact upon God, and it's important to say by God's foreordination. Mm. So God's wrath against us is propitiated, and his blood also has an effect upon us in the sense that it covers our sins. Mm -hmm. So through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his dying in our place, he takes the sting of death that was due to us. Mm -hmm. And by his resurrection, we have the assurance, the receipt, if you like, that our sins are paid for. 
And Christ's resurrection then, of course, is the first fruits of our resurrection to come. Sure. So although a believer is somebody who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, who knows their sins forgiven, has the gift of eternal life, even now in this life, we still die because we're in a fallen world mm -hmm. and the effects of the fall are all around us. But um, the wonderful um, climax of New Testament hope is not um, pie in the sky when you die, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, it, but it's of Jesus Christ returning of our bodies then being redeemed from death at the resurrection, mm -hmm. re reunited with our souls, which are already redeemed and living psychosomatically whole forever on on the new earth as, yeah. as jesus has promised in matthew nineteen twenty eight. yeah amen yeah we see this play out with the christian view of death and you know at the beginning of the podcast i always say you know live faithfully and fearlessly this is something that i think all christians are called to but um we were just we were having a Bible study recently, and it was the hope that mm -hmm. is within us. Yeah, and it's this future in, in Revelation twenty one, where you look at the resurrection, the new creation. That is where the Christian hope uh, lies in in our faith in Christ. Um, mm -hmm. But you also see this sort of view of Christian death here on Earth um, um, with Bonhoeffer. And I remember mm -hmm. Steve sharing this story with me is whenever the Nazis mm. took him away. Right. Um, what mm -hmm. was one of the one things that they said? I think the Nazis had looked at him and said, you know, in just a couple of moments, you're going to feel, you know, the most pain that you've ever felt in your life. You're going to be, you're going to be killed. You're yeah, gonna be, you're going to be killed. You're mm -hmm. going to be tortured. And and he looked at the Nazi guard, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, no, quite on the contrary, um, in just a couple of moments, I'm going to be feeling the most alive that I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know, whenever you look at the Christian view of death that really just encompasses it yeah. you know that this this life that we live in here right now is just like paul said a momentary affliction yeah and um yeah. and really our hope that is that it is it's in christ and also in, in the new creation and and i don't know if anybody else wants to add to that but it's and, and also in the life of polycarp <laughs> yeah absolutely. Awesome. yeah well we're yeah. we're going through a uh a study on Romans right now here and uh, just Romans chapter 6 like verse uh, starting at verse 3 he says do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death we were buried mm -hmm. with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in newness of life for if we have been united with him in death like his we sh sh shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his you know and like mm -hmm. you said it's a bodily physical mm. um awareness you know it's not this uh, nebulous floating around uh in spirit form for eternity so it's it's a real hope that we have to look forward to yes and, and paul goes on then to talk in romans 8 and this is a marvelous passage and it's very meaningful to me personally um to talk about um the redemption of the body which he describes as the the adoption hmm. and he says the whole creation it's it's, it's yearning yeah for the revealing of the sons of God. And the interesting thing is that the creation is yearning not with death pangs, but with birth pangs, mm. waiting for new life, waiting for uh, the regeneration of, of the cosmos. And uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a wonderful promise. Um, yeah. And from a pastoral perspective, I think too often we have sold short the Lord's people. We go to visit the sick and the dying, and we say to those who are in Christ, well, you will be with Christ shortly. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the ultimate truth. That's, that's a wonderful truth, mm -hmm. and we want to keep the focus on Christ. But I think Christ would have us know that ultimately he wants to be with us and we with him in a bodily sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so when you jumped then to Revelation twenty one, as was already mentioned, mm -hmm. it's it's the um, the apex of God's presence with His people, mm -hmm. um, that God finally comes down to the new earth yeah. and dwells on the new earth with us, where so there's no crying, no more pain, no more tears, no more death, for these present things become the former things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what an amazing hope we have to look forward to. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit um, now about uh, suicide in the U.S.? You mentioned in your article that uh, just in the last 10 years, suicide has increased by 30% in the U.S. alone. And uh, why do you think that is? Could, do you think uh, possibly one of those issues could be related to social media, you know, things like... Uh, uh, Facebook or, uh, you know, those Instagram. Instagram where oftentimes identity is so tied up, um, you know, with, uh, the feedback, the likes from other people. Mm-hmm. Well, to, to give, first of all, um, a little bit of background, uh, suicides were declining, strangely enough, in the, uh, 1980s and 1990s. Hmm. Ah. And now they're up since 1999 in every group according to the uh, National Center of Health Statistics, uh, from 10.5 suicides per 100,000 in 1999 to 13 um, out of 100,000 in 2014. Now, now you might think, well, that's not much of a leap. That's 2.5 deaths. Well, each death is really uh, significant. But in 19... um, Ninety-nine, there were twenty-nine thousand one hundred ninety-nine suicides a year, and in two thousand fourteen, there were forty-two thousand seven hundred seventy-three suicides a year. Wow! So that's that's uh, so that's over thirteen thousand additional suicides. Um, so in every age group, apparently, um, suicide is increasing. But where they're really concerned is the suicides occurring between uh, the ages of 10 and 14 mm-hmm. for for girls, in which suicides have tripled during that during that time from 0.5 to 1.7. Wow! So they are they are very con- they're very concerned about it. Um, you know, the National Center for Health Statistics they're only going to look at sort of. Um, visible or tangible reasons for that and they list say economic stagnation uh, depression setting in which gave um, less access to affordable health care and they also mention um, the side effects of drugs not least uh, anti-depressive drugs ironically Hmm. they're saying that girls are reaching puberty at an earlier age and so there's a sort of disconnect between what their bodies doing and what their minds are doing. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 really difficult, I think, to to put a finger on uh, on why suicide uh, you know rates are going up. I think as Christians we want to look at the spiritual side of things as well, mm-hmm. and and say you know what is what is the cost to society. Of losing a sense of God, mm-hmm. uh, we cannot ultimately do that because God has inscribed His knowledge on our constitutions. But we we suppress the truth in unrighteousness, as Paul in Romans one. Mm-hmm. And how does that impact the way in which we see life? Uh, how does it impact our self-image? How does it impact uh, homes which are breaking down? How is it? Does it affect? the fact that there are so many absentee fathers uh how does it affect uh the fact that people are making up their morality on the basis of personal choice rather than the law of god right and and then you've got the issue thrown in there also of um, social media and everybody else seeming to live the perfect life and i'm left out of Mm -hmm. it yeah so you know the lord alone knows why this is happening um but one thing is clear. I mean, America is a very wealthy nation comparative to other nations. Uh, wealth is not the answer. Sunshine is not the answer. I think it's a return to God that is is the answer. Yeah. And along those lines, can you talk a little bit about um, your father? You have a, a story in there about your father coming to faith, uh, starting out life uh, as an actor, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, you say, uh, quoting you, you said, uh, he discovered in Christ not only forgiveness, but purpose in life. And I think that that is such a, a key element that uh, mm. in Christ Jesus, we not 
not only had find our salvation, but in him we find our identity and our purpose. Life now has meaning because we know the one for whom we were created. And so can you talk about that a little bit, about your uh, father's experience? Yeah, sure. And my, and my father died in 2015, and as I look back upon his life, um, you would think on paper that if anybody had a uh, a reason to commit suicide, he, he might be one of them. Hmm. I say that because on the one hand, he was he was set to become, according to his acting tutor, who was the same acting tutor that Anthony Hopkins had, wow. he was set he was set to reach the top of his profession. Hmm. Um, but he was converted as a young man. So dad always used to joke and say, I set off for Hollywood and I got as far as Hollywell. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Which was the, the, the small town in Wales where right. he ended up as a minister. <laughs> so on the one hand, he's got, he's got, you know, and this is very important for men, he's got, uh, as the world sees at any rate, he's got disappointed uh, career prospects. Um, by the time he's in his late 40s, he's uh, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis mm-hmm. and spends the last 25 years of his life homebound in a wheelchair. And during that time, he's got bladder cancer. He's got pneumonia, which nearly took his life at the age of uh, 65. Mm. And then he finally dies at 80 of multiple myeloma. Mm. So you would think for somebody who was so active and so mentally alert to be really um, a hostage in his own home for a quarter of a century that he would find no purpose um, left in life. Right. But because uh, of his Christian faith, he found an immense amount of purpose and was, in fact, a very joyful and uh, humorous individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that statement from the way comes from his earlier days after he's converted and he's still in the acting profession. He hasn't yet found, he hasn't yet been called into the ministry. So he's still acting, mm. but he's now converted. Yeah. And he's going around different theatres uh, in Britain, um, performing in different plays in, for the public. And he's staying in these um, these digs, rented accommodation in Keithley in Yorkshire. And he's witnessing to this man. And the man says, well, if everything you say is true, then here's a gas meter. What is hindering you from ending your life? Mm. He says, you could go to heaven this evening Mm -hmm. if you would just take your life. And my father was a young believer and, you know, young believers are very tempted to dance to the tune of others Mm. to, to demonstrate that the gospel is true. But he says, he said, uh, I, I recognize that the moment was very demonic, hmm. that this man was very seriously putting a temptation in my way to take my life to prove that Christianity was true. Mm-hmm. And he says, I refused to do it because um, I did not believe that suicide was God's will for my life and that having saved me, he'd learned enough to know that God saves us so that we may serve. Hmm. Good works do not save us, but we are saved unto good works. Mm-hmm. So he re- he refused the um, the very appealing offer to take his life, and uh, the Lord called him into the ministry, and he ended up very productive. But then, when he was diagnosed, he said, "Well, if I was still an actor, the acting profession would throw me onto the." the heap Hmm. and discard me. I'd be totally retired, Mm -hmm. no more parts coming in. But I know as a Christian that there's there's no retirement. Hmm. And so if God has ordained this disability in my life, then he has some meaning, some purpose in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, One, to make me holy. Uh, But two, um, with the limitations I have, he still gives me work that I can do. And he went on and wrote... uh, believe it was uh, 17 books wow. uh, from his, wow. from his from his wheelchair besides the magazine correct yeah yeah he he was a, he was a remarkable by god's grace he was a remarkable uh, man and uh, he was um, he, he was given much grace of perseverance and truly believed he was more than a conqueror through uh, jesus christ right. who loved him yeah wow 
It's, it brings to reality uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship mm-hmm. created in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus for good works, which God prepared mm-hmm. beforehand that we should walk in them. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's just a powerful testimony of uh, how God used him in, in uh, apparently difficult, uh, you know, well, obviously very difficult situation physically, but yep. uh, still used him and uh, his willingness to uh, be used by the Lord in, in just amazing ways, so that's great. Yeah, but there's, there's, a, there's a wonderful there's a wonderful contrast actually. If I can go back mm-hmm. to to the age of sixty five, mm-hmm. when he nearly died, he was um, he was in hospital for for a checkup for his uh, cancer, and um, he he woke up one morning, and the um, uh, there was a buzzing inside his head, hmm. and he went. He went completely out, and so they did a full-scale resuscitation, and it turned out that he had pneumonia, and nobody knew it. Wow! And so God, God put him in the hospital for his cancer checkup, sure. because if he'd been at home, he would have died at the age of sixty-five. Right. Wow. wow. So when when he came when he came through that episode, my mother went to see the doctor, and. Um, the doctor said to her, and this is related to the culture of death, the doctor said to her, now listen, uh, your husband doesn't have a lot going for him. Hmm. He's, he's, he's disabled with multiple sclerosis. He's, he's had bladder cancer. He's got pneumonia. He's an asthmatic. If this happens again, it's our considered opinion that we ought not to resuscitate him. Hmm. Wow. And my mother sort of... Uh, who's a nurse herself said what you, what you mean he's he's not worth resuscitating mm-hmm. so so she said this this is what his life is like when he's not in this situation right he's at his desk nine o'clock in the morning in his wheelchair and he's researching and he's studying and he produces books and uh, you know he he has a very active life it's just that he's homebound. Sure. So the doctors were really impressed with that. So they put it in his notes, and this is evolutionary thinking in practice. Mm-hmm. They put they put it in his notes that he was worth resuscitating. Hmm. Interesting. Because he because he was a producer in life. Yeah. So after after that episode, I would be at home sometimes, and uh, I'd be just chatting with my dad and just say to him, well, dad, you better get back to the study because if you don't crank out a few books and you're ill again, you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's this, this idea that you don't have worth because you're made in the image of God. You right. have worth because you're a producer yeah, yeah. And, a, and a contributor. Survival of the fittest or the most productive in this case, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That reminds yeah, that reminds me of a you're talking about the culture of death. It reminds me of a story of uh, somebody that I know who, when uh, they found out that they were uh, or that that the wife was pregnant, and they went to go they went to go get some scans and some tests. Uh, doctors came back and said, "Hey, um, it looks like you're." Uh, your baby is going to be born with, you know, a, par- a partial stomach or some, some, something like that. There was some sort of mm-hmm. defect, and they asked the uh, uh, the person I know and, and, and his wife, and they said, "Hey, uh, something that you might want to consider is is abortion. You might want to have an abortion because, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like the costs are going to be extremely high to to um, to just support um, you know, your your child, uh, and and also it looks like." You know your child's going to be in a lot of pain, and I mean the, the the amount of fear that fell upon them, the you know the contemplation of it, as well as also feeling the guilt of even thinking about it. You know, and and to make a long story short, they didn't go through with it, and they you know looked at one another and said, "Hey, this is still our child, regardless of what what happens." Uh, and whenever uh, the time came, the delivery came, uh, their da- their daughter was born completely healthy. Hmm. So, you know, it's it's it just goes to show two things. One, that you know these tests are fallible, and can yeah. show 
um, heirs, and they could have, you know, aborted their daughter who was completely healthy. Uh, wow. And 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 two, um, their their Christian faith. They were Christians, mm-hmm. and so they 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 looked at. Um, just kind of what we're talking about here. They didn't see the, their daughter's worth and what the ability of what she was going to do and if she was going to be productive, but that she was created in the image of God. Right. And then, you know, that, that was their own. Um, and, yeah, it just kind of goes back, kind of just springboarding off of what, you know, what happened to your father. Uh, in- incredible story. I remember the first time I heard it, I, I was my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, praise God for their faithfulness. They were certainly being tested. Oh, yeah. yes, indeed, indeed. Um, well, Dr. Trumper, we're we're coming at the end of the podcast, and, and as always, uh, we'd like our guests to share the gospel, and we know that in the gospel alone, uh, it has the power for salvation, and it is the solution uh, for the culture of death that is all around us. So we would just like to give you that opportunity to share the gospel to our listeners, uh, and thank you so much for coming on the program again. Oh, it's my privilege to do so, and uh, certainly my privilege to share the gospel as we close. Um, uh, I think a verse that's very um, relevant to our discussion is John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So we're not just speaking this afternoon about existence. We're talking about life, and when we talk about life, we're talking about um, life in relationship with God. And so to come back to uh, the references to John's gospel, we're all born in darkness, Mm -hmm. and Jesus Christ has come as the light of the world. He's come to dispel our darkness. And uh, through the ministry of the gospel and through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, fundamentally so, um, it's before us whether we're going to stay in the darkness or whether we're going to come to the light. Mm. And I think many people stay in darkness because they don't want their deeds exposed. But uh, it's a wonderful experience to come through the exposing of our own sin, of the death within us, and to come to Jesus Christ who is uh, the light of life. And uh, consistently throughout John's Gospel, we're told simply to believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be saved. And I would just encourage any listening into this podcast to claim that promise, Mm. um, not to believe a lie of Satan, to stay in the darkness, but to come to the light and uh, to enter into life itself through our Lord Jesus Christ. And to have that joy, that assurance of knowing not only do we receive purpose in this life, which is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, but we have an eternal life to come um, in heaven in its intermediate state to begin with, but heaven in its final state, fully whole, body and soul, through the gracious work of God in Christ. Amen. All right. Thank you again, Dr. Trumper, for coming on to the program. You could download The Way magazine in PDF at www.bridgebookstexas.org under the reading section. You'll find it under The Way or slash El Camino. That's in Spanish as well. Um, Where can our listeners find you, Dr. Trumper? Well, uh, if they want to sign up for um, uh, The Way or El Camino, they can email uh, from his fullness at mail. Dot com, not gmail, just mail.com, or our website of www.fromhisfullness.com. Yeah. All righty. Well, we definitely have to have you back again on the program talking about something. Maybe Reformed Theology. We've been thinking about doing a podcast just on what is Reformed Theology, mm-hmm. because I, I think not a lot of people know what it is and have a lot of misconceptions, so it would be cool to clarify oh. that. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Awesome. Well, guys, you could visit www.bridgebookstexas.org. Click on our about slash giving page if you would like to support or donate us, uh, donate to us. Uh, we ask that you would prayerfully consider it. Uh, we are a ministry um, that is completely dedicated to equipping uh, the saints for ministry and the proclamation of the gospel. And uh, your support really helps uh, fund the ministry and as well as what we're doing in this podcast as well. Uh, And just thank you so much for those who do support us. Uh, But as always, we'll see you on the next podcast. Uh, What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Bye-bye.